Well, good morning, Vibrant Church. How you guys doing today? Good, man. Hey, listen, this is going to be a great day today. I'm excited to get into the Word because today we are kicking off a brand new series called How to Be a Christian. Someone say, How to Be a Christian. How to Be a Christian. And this is what I'm really excited about because I've actually kind of hinted at it a few times over the last couple months. But I feel like many times as Christians, we like Jesus, but are we like Jesus? Mm. Got re- I don't get amens for that part. So here's the thing. If you're not a Christian, if, you, if you're not living for God, if you don't have a relationship with him, don't tune off. Don't walk out. Because I want you to know I'm so excited that you're here today. I'm excited you're here because today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be exploring what a true, genuine follower of Jesus should be. You know, I feel like if we're just honest, a lot of times Christians get a bad reputation, don't we? Because our actions a lot of times don't match up with our words. And some of us that claim to be a Christian have a lot of words. You know, in turn, a lot of times we hear this this word come up, and that's hypocritical. Many times Christians can come off as hypocritical. I mean, let's be honest. There's a lot of people that say that they're a Christian, but if we're just being real today, their life does not look anything like Christ. You know, if you look in Matthew 7, 22, Jesus says this. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons. And in your name, perform all these miracles. And then comes probably the scariest scripture in all of the Bible. Verse 23, it says this. Then I will tell them plainly. It's going to be easy for you to understand. I'm going to tell you plainly. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. The Bible makes it clear that there will be people that claim to be a Christian that will not spend eternity with God. Why? Because they missed what being a Christian is. So what is a Christian? Well, if you looked up the definition, it would tell you that a Christian is someone who believes in Jesus Christ and follows his teachings. But in this series, what I want to do is I want us to begin to understand that Christianity is not just a one-time thing in your life. Christianity is a lifestyle. It's about giving your life to Jesus. Let me put it this way. If I want to be a great husband to my wife, if I want her to know that I love her and that we're in this great relationship, if I want to be this amazing husband, I can't just get her an anniversary gift once a year and that's it, right? First off, she wants more gifts than that. But secondly, secondly, it needs to be part of my everyday life. And on top of that, if I'm going to be a great husband, I have to do it intentionally. It's not going to happen by accident. See, the same is true with being a Christian, with being a Christ follower, with being a disciple of Jesus. I'm not just going to become more like Jesus because I want to. I'm not going to become more like Jesus just because I willed it. No, no, no. I have to be intentional. I mean, what is a disciple of Jesus anyways? Jesus says to go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples. But if we are to to follow that, then we ourselves have to be disciples. And then we have to recreate more out of us. Then what is a disciple? 
And how do I become one? You know, disciples don't become disciples through osmosis. Disciples don't become disciples because of what denomination they're a part of. Disciples don't become disciples because of what church they go to. No, no, no. The way we become disciples is we are taught to be more like Jesus. To live like Jesus. To think like Jesus. To behave like Jesus. So this series, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be exploring how to be more like Jesus by looking at how Jesus himself lived. We're going to look at some of his spiritual disciplines. We're going to be looking at how he responded in grace and truth. We're going to look at how he was generous. We're going to look at his relationships and how he led in wisdom. But today we're going to start at the base. We're going to build this foundation. And actually, Pastor DJ was going to be teaching on this subject today and he was real excited about it, but he's been very sick for the last week, and so I'm going to hop in, but can I just say, DJ, I know you're watching right now. I know, I know you probably watch both services. I know you're watching right now, and we love you. I need you healthy. I need you back. Can we just give it up for our worship pastor, Pastor DJ? Come on. Now, we love you. But listen, today I'm going to be laying the foundation for this series, the foundation, and that is this, how did Jesus love? How did Jesus love? If you look at 1 John 4, 8, it says, whoever does not do what? Whoever does not love does not know God because God is what? Love. That's pretty bold. If you don't love, then you don't know God because God himself is love. Love is the identity of God. But if we go a step further... The Bible also says that you and I were created in the image of God. So if God is love and we are created in the image of, of, of God, then we should also be what? Love. Our identity, our foundation of who we are should be love. You know, some of you are probably sitting here today going, well, I do. I love quite a few people. That's great. Good for you. <laughs> I'll get you a sticker later. No, no, no. Here's the thing. I'm not talking about loving those who love you back. I'm not just talking about loving those who are easy to like. Today we are talking about loving others, period. Which is, and is not limited to, your spouse, your family, your kids, your in-laws, I love my in-laws, Steve and Kathy. I love you, but some of you need to hear that today. Your in-laws, your boss, your friends, your enemies, those who have gossiped about you, that's a hard one. Those who have hurt you, those that have maybe hurt someone that you love. Loving like Jesus is not just some feeling that we get. Loving like Jesus is not in a happy face emoji with some hearts around it. That's not what love is. Loving like Jesus is a choice. It's a decision. Because you don't just get to love the people that you like. You have to love the, the people that don't like you back. So how do we love? Well, John 13, 34, Jesus says this. He says, a new command I give you. You notice this is not a suggestion 
This isn't open for discussion. He says it's a command. Jesus says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Then we get to verse 35, and this is very important today in our message. It says this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Notice Jesus did not say, others are gonna know that you are my disciples if you love other Christ followers. He didn't say, others are gonna know that you are my disciples if you love really nice people. He didn't say, others are gonna know that you are my disciples if you post comments bad-mouthing maybe a political party or maybe a, a, a specific activist group that you don't like or maybe just people that you don't, just, you don't agree with. That's not gonna make you known as a disciple. My Bible doesn't say that. If yours does, you might wanna return and get your money back. Get a new one. But my Bible, what it says, even if I was to agree with your stance, my Bible says that everyone's gonna know that I'm Jesus' disciple by how I do what? Love, by how I love others, whether he loved me. He just simply said, love one another as I have loved you. That's how other people will know that you are my disciples. You know, when Jesus said this, what's interesting, he was talking to the Jewish people at this time, and, and they were very aware, and they were very educated in the commandments of God. See, for us, a lot of times we focus on the Ten Commandments, and we're just gonna be real on this. This is in my notes. Many of us probably can't say those, can we? Let's get real. A lot of us are like, I can't remember all 10. That's 10 things to remember. I, I can't remember 10 commandments. But the Jewish people of this time, they knew and were educated in 613 commandments. And so when Jesus said, a new command I give you, their ears perked up. Here comes 614, right? They're ready. They're leaned in. They're on the edge of their seats. Jesus had their full attention. And while they're all in listening, he said, Love one another as I have loved you. See, if people are really gonna know that we are disciples of Jesus, if people are gonna know that you are a Christian, a Christ follower, it's going to be by how you love others. So we need to be asking questions like this. How did Jesus respond? How did Jesus respond to his critics? How did Jesus respond to those that were against him? How did Jesus respond to those that were different than him? How did Jesus respond to those that were choosing a lifestyle that wasn't uh, honoring to God? How did Jesus respond to those people? How did Jesus love? See, spiritual growth isn't necessarily about doing more things, it's about becoming more like Jesus. So today in our note sheets, they look a little bit different. You're going, Mike, you're seriously just now getting to the note sheets. Yes, I am. Your note sheets look a little bit different today. We're gonna do this together. It's gonna be a little bit more interactive. But today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna, we're gonna do something I'm calling the love test. Someone say the love test. So on the top of your note sheet, you actually have a scale there. It's a one through 10. And today you're gonna be evaluating yourself and how well you love others. 
And then maybe by the end of the message, we'll find some ways that we can grow in different areas of, of love. So how well do you think you love others? Go ahead, fill it out right now. Just the one through 10. Where do you think you land? I had someone come up to me after first service and said, Pastor Mike, I'm only at one. I'm like, well, we gotta grow that then, right? Where do you think you land? Be honest with yourself. We're not gonna make you turn this in later. <laughs> As we move through this message, what we're gonna do is we're gonna break down what love is. And as we do so into these smaller segments, we're going to try to come up with some ways to grow in all these different areas. So let's break down how to love like Jesus. If we look at 1 Corinthians 13, verse one through eight, it outlines how Jesus loved and he used to teach a lot about this, this love that was translated as agape love. Someone say agape, agape love. Now, this kind of love was unselfish. This kind of love was unconditional. It was unconquerable. This isn't the love that you have for your puppy dog. This isn't the love that I have for Disney World. And that's quite a bit of love. It's not that kind of love. Agape love is unselfish. Agape love is willing to give everything knowing that it may not receive anything in return. And so in the book of 1 Corinthians, it's written by Paul to the church of Corinth. And at this time, they're, they're acting very dysfunctional. See, outwardly, they're telling everyone about how much they love God, but inwardly, they're all fighting with each other. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound maybe like the capital C church sometimes? Yeah? See, we have numerous fights between denominations. We have all these church splits. We have these church people don't like those church people, and these church people are offended by these church people, and all these things keep happening. I actually saw a post not long ago. I thought it was hilarious. It said, listen, we are churches, not gangs. You know what I'm saying? We are bodies of believers serving the same God. We should be fighting for each other. Church, listen, I want you to know, I, I promise you, I pray regularly for the churches in our community. I'm praying for Zion Church. Derek, I see you. I'm praying for Mount Vernon and the assembly with Pastor Jody and Matt over there. I love you guys. Look, I, I'm praying for Forward Church and Sunday Local and First Baptist and Fairview and Life Church with the other Pastor Jody in town. Look, I'm praying for Kingdom Vision. Listen, let me just tell you this. If they are winning people to Jesus, we all win. Because we're on the same team. We're not fighting to grow vibrant church. We are growing. We are fighting to grow the kingdom of God. So Paul's writing them in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. It says this, if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have what? Do not have love. I'm only a resounding gong. I'm a clanging cymbal. See, I can say all the right things. I can be this eloquent speaker. I can stand up here and give you all this, these, these great messages, but it means nothing if I don't love people. I'm just a bunch of noise. Verse 2. So if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge... And if I have the faith that can move mountains, but I do not have what? Love. I'm nothing. 
If I give all that I possess to the poor, and I give over my body to hardship, that I, I may boast, but I do not have what? Love. I gain nothing. And then in this moment, Paul takes us from this philosophical thought of love, this theology of love, and he translates it now over to this practical place of love. In verse four, if you look at it, it says this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love, it never fails. If you go down a little bit to 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it closes like this. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is love. What a list. So today, real quickly, let's go through a love test. Let's look at how well we're loving others in all these different areas of, of what love really truly is. So this is how it's gonna work. If you look in your, your note sheet, there's five different sections. Each section has two evaluations. You're gonna evaluate yourself in each of these sections both times. One of them is labeled inner. That's your family, that's your friends, that's your, your, your close friends. Probably the people that you say I love you to or they say they, they love you. Love you, bro, that kind of stuff. I'm not a love you, bro kind of guy. It feels awkward when I do it. Does that feel awkward? Love you, bro. I love you, bro. <laughs> but that's your inner group, right? Then you have your outer group. Your outer group is everyone else. Maybe that's the people you don't know here at church sitting around you. Maybe that's the people in your neighborhood. Maybe for you, that's the people inside of Walmart. Maybe it's the people of Walmart. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's the person that cuts you off on Highway 45. Maybe it's the person that's really rude to you. Those people are all within the outer group. And we're going to evaluate ourselves there as well. And then we're going to see if we can grow in every area. But for me, let me tell you this. Here's an example. I love my wife. I love Kristen. I love my boys, Miles, Max, and Maverick. But just because I love them, am I loving them. That's what we're going to look at today. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 it says, love is patient, love is kind. Where do you land on that scale? With my inner group, I feel like I'm pretty patient and kind. I, I am over there cuddling with my kids and I have a lot of patience with my kids. I love them. But then there's also times, if we're just being honest, I'm very transparent. There's times I want to explode on them. See, there's days where I have to tell them over and over and over and over to do the exact same thing, and they're just not listening, right? In those times, sometimes I lose my cool. But what about my outer circle? Your outer circle numbers a lot of times will be lower than your inner circle numbers because if we're just being honest again, it's hard to show unconditional agape love for someone you don't know personally or someone you're not invested into. Like, for instance, when I'm at Walmart, let's go back to Walmart for a second, right? When I'm at Walmart and I'm in the 
parking lot, this is like my biggest pet peeve, I think, in life, so don't do this to me. But when I'm in the parking lot, and I'm going one direction, and someone else is going the wrong direction in the lane. There's times when I, I, I'm just kind of there going, you don't even have to read a sign. There's a giant white arrow on the ground. You just have to follow it. So I've been known occasionally to just have my car parked in the middle of the lane and be like, uh-uh, what you gonna do? What you gonna, it's your call now. You got yourself into this. This is tough love, right? Now, is that the right thing to do? Of course not. Who said yes over here? Come on now, no. I'm gonna pray for you. That's not the right thing to do. No, not at all. But sometimes my patience and kindness is down a little bit when I'm frustrated or when I'm hungry or when I'm tired. Right? But the truth be told, a lot of times we'll justify ourselves. We'll judge ourselves by our intentions, but we'll judge everyone else by their actions. You should write that down. That's not in your notes, but you should write it. A lot of times we judge ourselves by our intentions. We know our intentions, we judge ourselves by that. But we judge other people by their actions. We'll blame our attitude or our lack of patience on things like our history. This is how I was raised. We'll blame it on things like our circumstances. This is what what happened to me. We'll even blame it on things like our personality type. This is what I found out about myself, right? We'll be like, well, I'm an Enneagram such and such. Let me tell you, I'm an Enneagram one. It means that I'm a perfectionist, but that doesn't give me a free pass to be a jerk to people, right? Those kind of tests are, are there to help us understand our natural bend, not to excuse our bad behavior. See, if you are a Christ follower, it means that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, and if God, being the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is love, if that is his identity, then inside of you are all of the uh, uh, attributes of love. All of them are inside of you. Some of them may not come as naturally as others. Some of them might have to be a little bit more developed. But either way, no excuses. Because kindness and, and, and patience are in you. So when it comes to patience and kindness, what about Jesus? Well, Jesus, over and over again, he showed his patience and kindness to people. And a matter of fact, this last week, I was in my small group. It's on Tuesday mornings at 6.30, and we were going through the book of Mark, and we came through this story that I just started laughing at. I had to add it into my message today. Because in the book of Mark, chapter 7, verse 36, Jesus, at this point, he's tired. Remember, he's fully man and fully human, and he's uh, fully man and fully God. So in this point, he's tired. He's been traveling a lot, walking a lot, healing a lot, casting out demons a lot. He's doing all these things. He's teaching. He's constantly on go. And finally, what we see is he he comes to this person who can't speak. It's a mute, and he he gives them a voice. He heals them. Then he sees this person that can't hear. They're deaf. He gives them their hearing. But Mark, chapter 7, verse 36, Jesus is trying to get away for a second just to rest for a moment. Parents, have you ever been there? Just let me have a moment, right? It says this, Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone. Don't tell anyone, okay? But the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. 
I'm like, really? In my mind, I just picture Jesus going like, okay, listen, don't tell everyone what I just did. I'm about to go rest. Don't tell everyone. They're like, great, we got it, Jesus. And as soon as he walks away, they're like, guess what he did, right? The one thing he asked them not to do, they started doing it even more just because he asked them not to. It says they were completely amazed and they said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf to hear and gives, he gives speech to those who cannot speak. They're pumped up, but the more he told them to stop, the more they kept doing it. They didn't listen. Like my kids, they weren't good listeners. But he didn't lose his cool on them. And he continued doing miracles. He continued healing them. Aren't you glad we serve a God that doesn't lose his cool on you? See, I could easily justify God losing his cool on me, can't you? But I'm very thankful that he doesn't. If we continue on, 1 Corinthians 13, it says this. Love, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. That's the second section of your notes. Being envious is essentially looking at someone and saying, God, they have too much and I don't have enough. Love is lifting others up. Regardless of what they have, regardless of how little you feel like you have, regardless if you think it's fair or unfair and all those things, love is lifting other people up. And boasting is looking at yourself and giving yourself credit for what God has done for you. So being envious and boasting are both not of love, right? And then there's being proud. And that's believing that you're better than someone else. So that's actually essentially lifting yourself up, which isn't love because love is lifting others up. But what if you viewed everyone, every person, as a child of God, created by God, in the image of God, with a divine purpose by God? Would you treat them differently? Would you act differently? It's one thing to say, well, I'm not proud. I don't do those things with my inner circle. And we probably do sometimes. But it's one thing to say that. But what about our outer circle? What about the person that society has labeled as less than? What about that person that's begging for money and that's homeless? What about that person that's really struggling because they've been addicted to drugs? Now, I think a lot of us could unintentionally act proud viewing ourselves as better than or higher than. So where are you on that scale? Go ahead and fill it out. As you do that, the next question then is this. What about Jesus? Well, over and over again, we see Jesus love those that society labeled as less than. He spent time with sinners. He spent time with prostitutes. He spent time with tax collectors. He spent time with those with illnesses. You know, this Wednesday, for first Wednesday, I'm gonna be teaching about how Jesus touched this person with leprosy and he healed him. And when Jesus touched this person, this would have been the shocking thing at that time because that was a very contagious disease. And society, culture had made it to where that person needed to be outside of the community. Commercial break, by the way. This first Wednesday, this Wednesday, make sure you're there. 7 o'clock p.m., bring someone with you because I'm gonna be doing a, a deep dive 
into the study of God's healing power in your life. Can God heal you? Does he wanna heal you? How does he heal you? How do I get a healing? What if he doesn't heal? All these things we're gonna be looking at this Wednesday, so make sure you're there. Commercial break, off. All right, back to Jesus. Jesus touched this man with leprosy. He publicly loved the ones that society labeled as unlovable, untouchable, or less than. Go to the third section now in your notes. You know, love, it doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. You know, in some translations, they switch out the word dishonoring with the word rude. And if I asked you today, are you rude? Most of us would say, no, I'm not rude. But when we don't get our way, sometimes we get really put off when we aren't treated the way we would like to be treated. Or maybe treated the way we feel like we should be treated. You know, a few weeks ago, I went to a pharmacy here in town. I'm not going to tell you which one because of how the story goes. But I went to this pharmacy here in town. I was going to pick up some medication. I went through the drive-thru. It was a long line, so I spent a long time in line, got there, got my medication. They said, your insurance paid 100%. I thought, well, praise Jesus. That's never happened before. So got my medication, drove home, opened it up, put my hand in there, pulled it out. It wasn't mine. So I quickly looked to make sure it was something I wanted to keep. It, I'm just kidding, joke, joke, didn't do that. That's the uncut version of the message. Um, no, no, what I did was the right thing. Put it right back in the bag, drove straight back to that pharmacy. When I got there, I went inside. It was a long line again. So I stood in line, all that kind of stuff. And I really thought this would be this easy thing. You know, I, I didn't pay anything, so I don't need a reimbursement. I probably do need to pay for mine. And I need the, the one with my name on it, right? So hand them the bag. I thought everything was going to be easy. And, and in a lot of cases, I'm not easily angered. I usually have quite a bit of patience. But this person working in the pharmacy that day, she said, well, I need the receipt in order to process this medication. I said, it's right there. You know how they staple it all to the bag? It's right there on the bag. She said, no, no, no. I need the other receipt. I was like, this is everything I have. This is everything I was given. Here you go. And she said, well, I need the other receipt to process this. I was like, I understand, but this is all I have. And that's the receipt you guys gave me, right? Can I just get my medication and go home? Well, I'll be good. She said, no, we have to process all of this and it's going to take a while. Then she said, and I translated it as having an attitude. <laughs> I, I, she said this to me, it would have been faster if you kept the receipt. And I'm like, homegirl. See, in this moment, I don't want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Mike. I'm not talking the old commercials of Michael Jordan. I want to be like this Mike. I want to be in the flesh for a moment. I said, look, I don't have your special receipt, and I'm not the one that gave me the wrong medication. Your job was to read the name. But we're going to get off of me for a second because this isn't helping us be more like Jesus. How would Jesus respond? How would Jesus love? Well, I think about how Jesus washed the disciples' feet. See, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. He gets on his, his knees, and, and he didn't have to do this, but he chose to honor them. 
He chose to serve them. He chose to love them. And being fully God and fully man, Jesus already knew who was going to turn on him. Who was going to deny him multiple times. And he kept loving them and washing their feet. Who was going to doubt him? And he kept washing their feet and loving them. He was intentional. He chose to love, even though, though he knew they didn't deserve it and what they were going to do to him. The fourth section in your notes says this love, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Record of wrongs is translated as resentful in some translations. And the Greek word for resentful or record of wrongs is logizomai. Now this word comes from the core word logos, which is word. And so what it means is that this love doesn't keep a checklist of all the wrong things that someone has done and it doesn't even speak about it. I wrote this in my notes and it didn't make it to the note sheet because it came in hot. But write this in your notes because I think it's really good. When you get hysterical, don't get historical. When you get hysterical, don't get historical. When someone upsets you, do you all of a sudden start vomiting up all of the things of the past? All the things that you've kept a record of. Go ahead, evaluate yourself on that one. Write it in. And then we get to the last section, section five. Love, it always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Go ahead and evaluate yourself on that one too. That one's pretty self-explanatory. How well do you trust other people? How well do you hope for and believe for great things in the future? And then it ends with this. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It says, and now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is love. And why, why is love the greatest? You know, I don't have all the answers. I wish I did. There's some things I'm still going to have to ask God. But why is love the greatest? I can tell you this. Love is the only one that goes through eternity with us. You know, faith, when you're in heaven, no one's going to show up at your mansion in heaven, knock on your door with a Jesus track and say, do you know Jesus? That's not going to happen when you're in heaven. Because you're in heaven. You're going to be like, of course, he's sitting right there. Right? I have sight. I can see. So you don't need faith when you're in heaven. Hope. See, hope is believing for what is to come, but we're in eternity. So we don't need to hope for the future. We're in it. And we're with God. But love. See, love will be with us through eternity because love is the identity of God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if we want to understand how to love others, we need to understand how God has loved us. The true agape love that God has for us. 
It's unconditional. It's kind. It keeps no records of the wrongs in the past. And what's probably the most popular scripture in all of the Bible, it shows us a demonstration of God's love for us. John 3, 16. God so loved the world. They did what? He gave. God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? His one and only son. He gave everything. That whoever believes in him will not die. They'll not perish. But they'll live for eternity with God. It continues though. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into this world to do what? To condemn the world. He didn't send his son to condemn the world. But to save the world through him. See, Jesus didn't come to condemn you. And if we are supposed to live like Jesus, then as Christ followers, we aren't supposed to condemn others either. And listen to me, if you're watching this online, and you're saying, I'm not a believer, and maybe you've been hurt by some of us that call ourselves Christians. As a pastor at a church, I want to tell you I'm sorry. You didn't deserve that. If you're here today, physically, You've been hurt by church in the past. I'm sorry. You didn't deserve that. That's not what being a Christian is all about. That's not what being a disciple is. That's not what being a Christ follower is. God didn't send his son Jesus to earth to condemn you. He didn't come to earth to criticize you. He didn't come to earth to drag your name through the dirt. That's not what he came here for. He came here to save you because he loves you and he has a plan for your life. If we look at Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrated his own love for us by this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. The key there is while I was still a sinner, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for us. He didn't die on a cross just for those people that loved him. He died on the cross for those who nailed him to it as well. So how do we love more like Jesus? We love others the way that Jesus loved us. In your notes, there's five sections with lines next to it. In that area, what I want you to do right now is this. I want you to look at your evaluations from above I want you to write down right now, what are some action steps I can take to go up one number in every section? What can I do to go just up one this week? What's something I can do? I need to be intentional. You know what they say? If you grow 1% a day, you go 365% a year. What's something that we can do to just grow one spot this week? What's an action step? Maybe instead of blowing up on your kids, you know, maybe you want to grow in patience and kindness in that section. And so you think of some activity now, you're intentional. You think of an activity that you can do with your children. And when you start feeling those emotions rising, and you're about to lose it, instead of you do something intentional, you bring them together. And you do that activity together. And what could have been this really stressful moment turns into a memorable, fun one. Maybe this, this week you're in an argument with someone. 
in the middle of the, the argument, you remember this message. And you think, okay, I'm going to make a conscious decision to not bring up anything from the past. I still remember, and I'm still hurt from back here, but in this argument, I'm not bringing that up. I'm not going to say, I'm going to swallow my pride because pride is not of love. And I'm going to show agape love. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to love others. Because the Bible says they will know we are disciples of God by how we love others. So church, will you close your eyes and bow your heads with me today? God, we love you. And we don't deserve your love. Even though, God, we sometimes take it for granted. God, sometimes we just constantly fall to the cycle of sin. And even when we're at our lowest lows, choose to reach out your hand and pull us up and show us unconditional agape love. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for not keeping a record. Thank you for sending your son and sacrificing everything for people that didn't deserve it. God, I pray right now that you allow us to be a light for you. That we have the boldness to step out of this place and love others the way that you love us. That we stop holding grudges. That we stop only loving those that we agree with. And that God, we go and love our community, our state, our country, our world. We love people the way that you have loved us. God, I can't even imagine what it would be like if we genuinely loved people the way that you loved us. I can't even imagine how many more people would come to know you, Jesus. But it excites me. I want to be used by you, God. Use us. Challenge us. And allow us to step out love others for you. As we stay in this moment of prayer right now, church, there's some of you that you don't have a relationship with God. Today you're like, look, if that's what living for Jesus is like or is supposed to be, sign me up. I want to live for God. I want to have a relationship with Him. Maybe at some point in your life you did live for Him. And today you're saying, look, I need a fresh start. Maybe you've been hurt by church. Maybe you've been hurt by Christians or those that said that they were. I'm telling you right now, Jesus didn't come here to condemn you. He came here to save you, to love you, and to lead you. So right now with no one looking around, say, yeah, Mike, pray for me. I want a fresh start with God. No one's looking. Just raise your hand and say, yeah, pray for me. Amen, I see you. I see you in the stadium, yeah. Amen, I see you up there, yes. 
as well. We love you. Join in this prayer with us. Church, can we pray this together? Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus. I know I didn't deserve it, but thank you for loving me that much. God, I want to live for you. Give me a fresh start and a new beginning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And the whole church said a big amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate each and every one of those today. Come on now.